This past week, you may have become aware of a story in the news about a man who fell overboard off of a cruise ship. Did you hear about this? Uh, They were sailing uh, on the Carnival Valor out of New Orleans. It was a little disconcerting for us because we were sailing out of Port Canaveral on a marriage cruise. And uh, it was a little scary, this idea that someone could go overboard. And, and, and the strange thing was this happened uh, on the evening before Thanksgiving. And it wasn't until about 12 hours later uh, that, the, that the family realized there's something wrong here. And they discovered that he had been missing for nearly 12 hours. Wow. Uh, that's a long, long time. I can't imagine 12 minutes in the water. Uh, But it was very, very cold water. Uh, The staff searched the ship, if you followed the story, and and they even drained one of the pools. That's a big deal. They were just doing anything they could. He wasn't on the ship. And so they turned around. We're not going to go to Cozumel, folks. (laughs) That's a little bad if you're on a ship. That's a bad announcement to have to make. Turned around and began to retrace the path. Of course, they alerted the Coast Guard and alerted any ships that might be in the area to keep their eye out. And uh, aircraft were scrambled uh, to search 200 miles of water. Nearly everyone would say, there's not any hope. There's not a chance of, of of a rescue in this kind of situation. But it was around 8, 10 p.m., eight more hours later. Wow that he was miraculously spotted by a tanker ship near the mouth of the Mississippi River. Just amazing. And if you've seen any of the pictures, it's pretty incredible. He was pulled from the 65-degree water. Some say it was even as low as 62 degrees by a Coast Guard helicopter. How many of you say, yay, Coast Guard? Wow. (laughs) There when you need them. Nearly 20 hours in the water he spent. And the Coast Guard officials who do these sorts of rescues, they, they're calling James Grimes, uh, this gentleman, a miracle. They, that's the word they use. This is just a miracle. We don't know how else to describe it. It's a story of salvation. And I'll bet there are a lot of preachers today talking about that story because this is a weekend when uh, during Advent we think about salvation. It took place on Thanksgiving Day. That's even greater and it's, it's one kind of salvation story. We would say, boy, that man got saved. Amen? Yeah. This weekend, we're talking about salvation in our Advent themes. We, we have these four themes, hope, and then salvation, and then joy, and then peace. And, and we want to think and focus on salvation. I'm going to read from the scripture some very familiar words. When I begin to read them, you might say, oh, yeah, uh, I think that's from Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> And it is from Charlie Brown Christmas. That isn't, however, where uh, these words originally came from. They came from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And I've asked uh, a musician, uh, Stephanie Greer, dear friend, uh, she's going to play just briefly at the conclusion of the reading of the scripture as we focus, reflect, and meditate and think about the words that we're about to hear. Let us give our attention to the word of God. And in the same region, There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's really the big question. What child is this? And I get all excited, I think, especially when we have the children here on the stage and we're thinking about baby Jesus. (laughs) But we realize this is not like any other baby ever born. We come to this central theme in our Christmas story about the coming of a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Say that word with me. Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It is about baby Jesus, and it is about shepherds, and it is about wise men. But first and foremost, it is all about the coming of a Savior. Well, what does that mean? What does that word mean? The Greek word uh, is soterra, and it means a deliverer. Uh, the Greek, it comes from sozo. You may have heard that word. It's the, it's the word for salvation. Which means to make safe, to heal, to preserve, to make whole. He's one who came to make safe, to heal, to preserve, to make whole. So when we talk about the biblical meaning of salvation, there are a lot of dimensions to that. One of our problems, I think, in church history and in church uh, world is we tend to think one-dimensionally about salvation. Some would say, well, the man who fell overboard, he got saved. (laughs) How many of you would say he got saved? (laughs) Yeah, he got saved when the helicopter pulled him from the water. And that's a sort of a physical dimension. Others would say he was saved by his determination to survive. Many have said that, boy. And that speaks of motivation and emotion. Others would say, I bet that man learned how to pray when he was in the water. (laughs) I know I would learn how to pray. And so there's an eternal kind of dimension. But the Bible talks about salvation in a much richer and deeper way. Biblical salvation, we we usually define it this way. It usually is defined as the deliverance of the soul from sin and its consequences. And that's a good definition. Uh, 
But we often narrow it to just eternal destiny. Uh, we, we think about eternal destiny if you're saved. That, that's what it's all about. In fact, we'll ask this question sometimes. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? It's not a bad question. But it's not the only question. And there are other very important questions that come along with salvation. This kind of comes from 100 years ago or even 150 years ago uh, when people thought a lot differently. I didn't realize it so, uh, until I looked it up. But 100 years ago, the life expectancy in the United States was about 50 years. Wow. <laughs> I'm past that a ways. <laughs> and, and, and this was greatly improved from previous decades. 150 years ago, the life expectancy was only 35 to 40 years. In fact, if you made it out of childhood, you were doing really well. So families were familiar with cemeteries and tombstones with the names of family members. They were familiar, and, and everybody knew somebody who had died. Today, life expectancy is dramatically increased. It's 77 years for men, praise God. 81 for women. Now, I don't know why they get the advantage there. But I, I talk to people from time to time, and sometimes it's when we're gathering together to have a funeral or we're gathering together to plan a celebration of life, we often call it. And, and I talk to people who have never been to a funeral, uh, people who have never had someone in their family who passed away. And so we live in a very different time. The, the foremost question on, on the mind is not where will I spend eternity? People don't really think about that too much. It's an important question. Christian faith has often treated salvation as this one big thing, this one-time event that you need to take care of. And people will say, well, I got saved on June the 14th, 2016 or 2006 or this one day. I got saved. And that's the important. It was during a revival or it was while I was at a camp or, or it was uh, uh, during a Bible study. Evangelists, they'll, they'll count the number of salvation decisions and that, that's an important thing. But in the Bible... Uh, we need to understand that there's something that's very different. The term found uh, is, is more of a process than it is a one-time event in the past tense. Let me, let me give you a few examples. 1 Corinthians 1. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It talks about perishing in eternity. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 15 is similar. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 2 Corinthians 2. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. Why don't we see that phrase, those who are being saved? Let's say it. Those who are being saved. It's, it's really an important thing for us to understand. The, the Greek word is kind of hard to say, sozomenoi. <laughs> Let's do that. Sozomenoi. <laughs> and it's the present past date of tense. And I know some of you are going, yes, finally, we're getting to the present past date. No, nobody was excited. Okay, well, it's important, and I'll tell you why. It describes a present process that's going on. But it's passive. It's not something you are doing, but it's an ongoing action that is happening to you. It continues happening to you. That's the way that the Bible, the New Testament, talks about salvation. 
something that is still going on, still happening. So let, let me just shock you a little bit. Don't run from the room, please. Biblically, it's really not quite correct to say, I got saved. It's not really quite correct to say, I am saved. Now, it's okay. I've said that. How many of you have said that? I hope. Yeah. But that's not the best way to talk about it. Biblically, it's more correct to say, I began being saved on June the 14th, 2016, or whatever date you might mark. God began saving me two years ago, or 10 years ago, or 30 years ago. That's really how the Bible talks about it, as something that keeps on happening, keeps on going. John, uh, th- does that mean that, uh, that I can lose my salvation? We don't want to misunderstand that. No, not, not if you're referring to eternal life. And people worry about this a lot. John 10, 28 says, Jesus is talking, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of the hand of Jesus. Someone say, praise God. That, that's really, really good news. We want, don't want to miss that. It does mean that salvation is much more than a ticket for eternity. It, it's more than just kind of punching the ticket. It means that salvation starts in a moment, but it takes a lifetime to complete. We are still being saved all through our life. Does that mean I cannot be assured of my salvation? No, because the Bible teaches that we can know. 1 John 5 says, I write these things that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. It's a witness of the Spirit within us. But that doesn't mean that God is finished with his work of salvation. John 20 says, these are written that you may believe that the Son, uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name. We can know that. We can know that we are being saved. The man overboard, James Grimes, what an amazing story. There, he was in the water for a long time and he's been interviewed and he said that he began to think, how, how long do I have to do this? That, that was his thought. How long do I have to be here in the water? He knew that he was lost at sea. Now he was 28 years old and he was a strong swimmer. And that helps, I think. But the waves were three to five feet. And you can see, if you've watched any of the video, that he would, he would lift his hand to, to wave and signal. And every time he, he went under, every time he would go under. He may have prayed. We don't know. I, I haven't heard in any of that. But there was a moment when he was spotted. And in that moment, he knew he was saved. He knew that that... A savior had come. He knew that salvation was at hand when he saw the helicopter and and he he realized that he was not. And that was the beginning point. And that's really what we talk about when we say on this date, I was saved. This is when I spotted the savior. This is when I spotted salvation. This is when I knew to respond. You see, the Bible teaches That these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. You know you are being saved. You can know that you have life in Jesus. But you need to also know that he's not finished with you yet. He's still making you whole. God wants to give you life that is eternal, but also life that is abundant. 
John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. That, that Greek word is wonderful. It means in superabundance, above and beyond, exceedingly high beyond measure. Boy, you can almost turn that into a rap tune. In superabundance, above and beyond, exceedingly high beyond measure. Okay. I mean, that's a cool word, isn't it? The Message Bible translates, I came so that they, so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's good. The, the PJV, that, that's the Pastor Jeff version. It's not actually published, but this is how I would translate it. I came not just to give you a ticket, but to overwhelm and amaze you with life. That's salvation. That's what he came to do. What does that salvation look like? It's a wholeness, a healing, a completeness. That's what that word means. Healing of your family and your marriage. Healing from addictions. Repair of of the damage that sometimes we carry from childhood. The things that have been hurting for a very, very long time and kind of mess up relationships. You can be saved and yet still struggle with those things. I mean, people ask that, can can you be saved, that is, have eternal life, but still struggle with an addiction? Oh, yeah, I know a lot of people. The the people who who are believers, who are Christ followers, they're not perfect. How many of you know that? We get that thrown in our face all the time. If you're really a Christian, you would be perfect. You wouldn't have these faults. No, it doesn't work like that. Can, can you be saved, that is, have eternal life and still struggle with a sin that easily overtakes you? The Bible talks about it. Uh, the writer of Hebrews was writing to believers and saying, you need to set aside, you need to cast off the sin that so easily gets a hold of you. We, we all kind of know what that one is. Certainly. But we are being saved. That's the thing that we need to remember. We're in that process. So should you question your salvation? People hear a message like this, they say, I'm not really sure if I'm saved. No, no. Only if you have rejected his offer of grace and mercy. If you've rejected him, you, you, you need to get that straight. Don't reject his offer of grace and mercy. When the Coast Guard helicopter came over James Grimes in the sea, um, it's interesting, he could have refused the rescue line. I don't know why, but I think of these things. He could have called out and said, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm a strong sim- swimmer. I, I think I may be able to make it. I've made it a lot. You can't even imagine that. No. And yet sometimes people who have been struggling for a very, very long time and have been very, very lost in their life and in this world, and they've tried every sort of thing, the, the offer of Jesus comes and says, no, no, thanks. I think I'll keep trying on my own. I think I'll keep swimming on my own. I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. No, no. We need to take hold. Last week we talked about hope. And and the word for hope in the Old Testament is rope. It actually means something you take hold of that pulls you forward. It's a rescue line. Hope is a rescue line. And this salvation that comes to us is so very, very important. Advent is about realizing the Savior has come to the rescue, not in a helicopter, but in a manger. Baby Jesus, he's come to us with hope. He has come to us with salvation. 
And we can start that process today as we trust him, as we take hold of him. And we begin to fellowship with those who are being saved. That's what this is. That's that's what church is. It's about a fellowship of those who are, no one's perfect. I promise you, I know that I'm not. No one's perfect, but we are being saved. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I've written a little short prayer. It's just an Advent prayer, and it it speaks of these things. And I want to put it up. I want to read it to you. And then I'll invite you to pray it. But I, I think it's good for you to know before you pray something. And it simply says, God, I realize I need these things. Hope, salvation, joy, peace. I need you. I want to know the Savior that you sent for me. I want to take hold of the hope you have set before me. I want you to save me. Pull me out of this lost place. Start your work of salvation in me. Or you might say, continue that work of salvation. Because many of you, I know, have already begun that journey with him. I want to just invite you to join me in that prayer. If, if, if that's your heart, let's join together. God, I realize I need these things. Hope, salvation, joy, and peace. I need you. I want to know the Savior that you sent for me. I want to take hold of the hope you have set before me. I want you to save me. Pull me out of this lost place. Start your work of salvation in me. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the season, the season of hope and salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.